Come on, let's go. Let's do it. Let's really do it. Tired as well. Oh, stop whinging because I'm recording. It's 20 to 6. I'm recording, so stop whinging. I am a whinger. Okay. Let's go. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to It's In The Jeans podcast, a podcast by The Digital Gene. My name is Declan. I'm Sharon. <laughs> you sound so like, <laughs> and I'm Sharon, yeah. F you, and I'm Sharon, and we're a mum and son duo <laughs> and directors from The Digital Gene. Today, I am actually off this week, so... And yeah, that's got... probably why I sound like this, my word word <laughs> is through the roof. And mum never really gets to speak about um, things that she wants to discuss. They're always at the bottom of the pile. So I've brought nothing to this podcast. So would you like to tell You've the listeners... You've nothing to the table, have you? Yeah. Would you like to tell the listeners what we will be discussing today? Hi, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be discussing menopause. Woo! Thought that would excite you. What I've been watching on Netflix that I love. Um, the latest news about the UK job market, closures and, you know, all the usual stuff. Because it seems like when we say, when we talk about our show notes, it seems like we're in um, Groundhog Day. Because I'm always talking about Netflix. I'm always talking about what's going on online well yeah of course i'm always talking about that that's the that's that's the world we inhabit that's our life isn't it that's what that's what we do for a living um but the only difference is i get the first opportunity this time on the podcast ever to talk about the menopause i think you allowed me to mention it once and then you just sort of rode over it i didn't you did yeah i think i did actually so what have you been up to what you're doing how are you very, very busy. Um, work-wise, it looks like um, this is going to be our busiest month ever, doesn't it? Probably. I would as far as turnover is concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah, just really, really busy. I said to somebody the other day that I was eternally grateful for everybody that was coming knocking up to our door. What are you laughing at? Eternally grateful is what those things out of Toy Story say. Do you remember? No. Oh, the class. We are, we are eternally grateful. That's what that reminded me of. You know the little green things with three eyes? Yeah, the yeah. The, the, um, the toy the out of the... Out of the, yeah. Claw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're eternally grateful. I am eternally... Well, I'm going to say this. I am eternally grateful for everybody that's come knocking at our door wanting us to make their website memorable. That's my mm-hmm. new catchphrase now. Just updated the homepage on our website this week and I said that we make websites memorable because that's what we nice. do as well as discoverable. So, yeah, I'm eternally grateful for that. But obviously we've grafted very hard as well. It's, it's, hard, yeah. it's hard work, but it's great. We want, you know, all these hours that we're having to put in just bank them because we just nobody knows what's going to happen in the world, do they? Um, no. So yeah, it does feel a bit like Groundhog Day. Similar, same, similar 
topics each podcast, but I guess that's how the world is. Yeah, but tell me what have you been up. Let's get into. Let's not talk about topics. What what are you doing? What have you been up to? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? Come on, you said Netflix. What have you been watching? I've been watching that. I met. So you know how I, I like a really a really good tale about a powerful woman. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, I do. I do. I like I like powerful, strong women. I think they're amazing. Yeah. Because I am one. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was watching on Netflix um, a docu-series about an amazing woman, um, Gloria Allred. And I think I messaged you after I'd finished binging it that I'd never actually heard about her before. You know, when all this all all this championing and all this Me Too stuff came up, I thought, how come she's not been on our radar before? And I think Netflix has been great for that this year, hasn't it, for um, putting on those programmes that we just wouldn't have normally seen before. You know, it's like some of the documentaries that have been on since the Black Lives Matters campaign, isn't it? Like, they just wouldn't have been on our radar before, and I think Netflix... Well, Netflix have led the way, because I think their business models allowed them to, they can take, because they don't have advertising. You know, they get, I don't know, they get people in from the big series like Stranger Things, The Crown, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black back in the day, whereas now they've got the subscriber base, they, they can take risks, they can have more... Female voices, uh, you know, in stories, more black voices. It's just, yeah, you can't knock it. I mean, I always say as well, Netflix. If Netflix had been around when I was, like, it growing up during, like, impressionable times, the LGBT representation in those, like, nearly every TV show's got a different form of representation, so it's not the same. You know, just because someone's gay doesn't mean they have to be a certain way. It's got a different just a different character that are more than just their sexualities. What a position for Netflix to be in, though, eh? that they aren't well, governed by their, um, what they're called? What, like the studio execs? No, like loads, like loads of directors. The advertisers and whatever, they're mm. not governed by that. That's, that's a really well, like loads of, loads of direct Loads of directors love working with them. That's why the likes of Martin Scorsese and different people, have, because they just allow such creative freedom because there isn't that risk of it flopping at the box office. Because, mm. But, yeah, so... Well, this programme, anyway, this is, about, this is about this attorney, Gloria Allred, mm. and she became famous in the 70s, I believe it was, for taking on um, sexual assault cases for women that it had been unheard of. Prior to that, if something had happened, you know, something awful had really happened to a woman, sexual assault, a really really bad divorce or whatever, women were just meant to melt into the woodwork and just take it on the chin. and she rocked up and became this amazing sort of um, trailblazer in taking on these cases where nobody had ever, ever, ever done that before and, and made them famous. And, and one of the thing, one of the cases that she was really famous for was um, Bill Cosby. Oh, really? I mean, that, I just remember when that all came out myself, like nobody, 
like you say, you can't believe it. And it's true. That is a, that is a, there is a sense of that you can't believe that because, you know, I, I grew up with him being on TV, you know, and being this patriarchal figure in this, this family that was so fun. And the fact that they were a black family as well, being on TV and, and that was a first, you know, in itself, but there was such, wow. there was such a, an all round American family that everybody wanted to be. And then all of a sudden it comes up that, you know, he'd done all this horrendous stuff to practically every woman that he'd come into contact with through his career. Um, And and Gloria took those cases on when when nobody would believe those women. And that sense of seeing them sat there and, um, you know, the press being around them and them them telling their stories to be heard. Oh, I'm, I'm... I've gone goose pimply now. I'm just thinking about it again. I could watch it again. It was so good. And and what is even more amazing is that she's still she's still cracking on with it all. She's 79. She's 79. And she's still doing it. And I just was amazed that that's I'd like um Ruth radar before. That's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's still in the US Supreme Court. You, do you know RGB story? No. Oh, she was like the first female to be to go through one of the first to go through law, uh, Harvard Law School, um, and then she got she became a judge on the U.S. Supreme Court, and she's still fighting massive cases. And her story's really good. There's a there was a good film I saw about her last year, and there's a good Netflix um, documentary called RGB. I think oh, I don't know if it's on Netflix actually, but I wish I could say my Netflix binges whilst I've been off have been a bit more like. Um, you know, power to the people, you know, a bit more socially conscious, but I'm just binge selling Sunset. Oh, did we talk about this last time? You know, what I don't my, think we did. My, I don't think my, I've watched you know, it. My, um, my memory's like, I can't remember from one podcast to the next what I've spoken about, and I yes, never look back at the show notes because I'm horrendous like that, as you say. But oh, I, I, I said to somebody on Instagram on a DM the other night, when I die, I want to come back as one of those. You know, selling selling that sort of real estate at that level in LA must be. I mean, I guess it's pretty stressful. Yeah, there's no doubt. But oh, do you think? Well, it must be. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it, wouldn't they? Well, I think it's you need to be a certain type of person. Oh, it's just absolutely amazing. Those properties alone. But obviously, we're selling Sunset. You've got those girls working for those two guys in that brokerage, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just all glamorous and all fun, and of course, all bitchy. Um, yeah, but I don't think I don't see that there's anything wrong with that. Being bitchy? No, everyone's a bitch. Men and women are, but men and women are equally bitches. I just think men are a bit more not as overtly bitchy. Let's say. Oh, really? That's a bit... Uh... I always think men are just as bad. They just take a bit more, like, coercing into it. Oh, interesting. I was reading an article, actually, where Jason, one of the guys who owns it, said he didn't realise it was going to be so much about their personal lives. He thought it was going to be a real estate programme, but then he said, well, obviously, a real estate programme just on its own wouldn't have the mass following that that it, this has, which is true. Like some people would be, it's like grand designs. Not everybody, like millions of people, don't watch that, do they? Well, you know, so. you've, you've you've got just got into um, into selling on Sunset because 
Obviously, selling on sunset. Selling on sunset. <laughs> selling sunset. But it is Sunset Strip, isn't it? That's where it's based. Yeah. That's where it's called. But you just got into it, but it's it's season three, and I was eagerly anticipating season three. I couldn't work, couldn't wait for it. But prior to that... I, I thought you were going to be like, I couldn't work for thinking about <laughs> it. I couldn't work just for waiting on it. But obviously <laughs> I've been uh, deeply into all the millionaire listings franchise, haven't I, for ages, mm. the New York City and the LA one. Just absolutely love them. And I chuckled to myself last night because I watched this week's episode on Now TV and um, you know whose house they're selling at the minute? Do you remember her out of Real Housewives who was like the goth who had the castle? The witch? Was she a witch? Carlton? Yeah. Yeah, she was a witch. They're selling selling their house. Oh, I hated that house, I remember. She was showing you around it again. She was going on about how with her being British, she wanted to build a castle. And I was like, and you've just built the most tacky. I remember. Well, yeah, she was a she ever. was a Wiccan, wasn't she? An actual witch. Well, they're divorced anyway, so. Oh, have they? Oh yeah. So for all of having that uh, special room, do you remember the special room that she had? Yeah. Where mummy and daddy <laughs> played naughty. Yeah. Well, all of that hasn't saved her marriage. Oh God, I'm going to get in trouble. I know that's a bit. Well, whatever. But. Well, speaking of powerful women being naughty, do you like WAP? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was like, you should don't talk about this on the well, podcast. No way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, like I'm all for for me. I'm all for like sexual empowerment and doing whatever you want, right? But I don't know if it's like being brought because I was brought up Catholic. It's like that Catholic guilt that like. When you put a video like that on, you're like, I should not be watching this. Like, yes, just... you, were brought up, you were trained to be a Catholic. We should say trained. that. Trained to be a Catholic. But um, a very open-minded household. And in fact, well, yeah, I was but... so tempted. I've been racking my brains. I did my first Instagram reel, didn't I, at the weekend? Or was that my second one? I don't know. Oh, um, God, no. I, I, was, I was so tempted. I thought, I wish I could think of a reel where I could do something with that. And the kids would be absolutely mortified if I did it. Can you imagine? I'd never speak. I'd block and it. Watch this space because I might just surprise you one day. <laughs> I don't think you'd be able to use that song on Instagram, will you? Oh, I've seen people use it. Oh, have you? Yeah. On the reels, you just choose from the... from the, um, the clean or... radio edit, though? Hmm? Is it the radio edit, though? Oh, I've no idea. Because there's two different versions. Because you know what it stands for, don't you? I do, yeah. I don't say it on here. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen so many reaction videos. WPP. That little... uh, Well, because James Corden did a mic take of it, didn't he? Oh, With his mop bucket. Yeah. (laughs) Disgusting. I think that would be a good reel, wouldn't it? I'd get my mop out. Oh, Mum, you can't put that on Instagram. Can you imagine that? I'll be, I'll be um, the... flopping me what? Me mop. What's <laughs> <laughs> flopping that? Flop your mop all over Instagram. That sounds rude, doesn't it? Oh, for God's sake. Oh, how do we ever get taken seriously? Oh, this is our bit of downtime fun, though, isn't it? This is it, yeah. We get to chill now. Yeah. Um, and I'm going back to her. Yeah, I can't even bring myself to say it though, Dex. It's like, no, and I don't, don't know. What, I think maybe I could. It's because I'm saying it 
where you are. I don't think I can say it where you are. Yeah, no, I don't think I can. Either. No, no. But um, I was listening to, I was watching the reaction video of that Leslie, Leslie Jordan, that little, that little gay man who's, who's in oh, like Amer- American yeah. Horror Story. He's like, yeah. oh, it's like, <laughs> there's some holes in this house. He's <laughs> like, he's like, oh my God. Um, I don't know what Kylie Jenner's doing in the video, like. I've watched it all the way through. Oh, you'll have to. It's a treat. I will. Show, show Dad, see what Dad thinks. Your Dad will be saying, what the same? What the same? <laughs> I can't figure um, out what the same. But obviously, this is da- talking to downtime and me having time off. Like, when we when we say we talk about different things, obviously, a lot of what we used to talk about during this, what we've been up to, was pretty much nothing because we were locked down. But I've managed to have two holidays away. So. Oh, you're having a great time. I am. You're I mean, I think. Whooping it up. Whooping it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it um, oh, but, um, yeah. Whitby and the Lake District. So it was nice. But you can't have tell staycations are in. You haven't left the North, though, have you? you no, 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 no. No. no, but yeah, you can tell staycations are in because it's just so busy everywhere. Oh, I know, I can't. I think I've got the last hotel room in Tynemouth for tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're having a little night away. We're having a little night away. Yeah, we're going to Riley's Fish Shack on the beach at Tynemouth. Wanted to go for so long because they just got voted again. Top. So is it a restaurant now? Now, it's always been that. I thought it was just a fish. You just went up and got your fish and chips. No. It's a but you can, can't you? On the beach, can have takeaway, yeah. Right. But um, yeah, it gets gets voted time and time again, time and time again in the Times, um, and I, it's one of those things, you know, where you think, oh, through lockdown and through everything that's happening, this has actually improved. If you oh. can say that, this yeah. has actually improved because now you have to. They've got a reservations section on their website, which they never had before, where you actually have to book and you pay £25 deposit per person and that enables you to get a space on the beach with a parasol or a fire pit dependent weather dependent um, and they come and serve you your dinner well we're going for dinner um, and your drinks and it's like table service on the beach so I'm really excited I can't wait so I've wanted to go for so long but whenever we've ended up in time now for whatever reason either calling in there or gone there for, for a few hours on the weekend. The queues have always been horrendous, so you just never get in. So for me, being able to pay a deposit and reserve a spot was just... Perfect. A minute, a minute, yeah. So we decided we would make make a night of it and stop over. Cute. Mm. Yeah, yeah. cute. So, you're not too cute. much else. No, that was pretty much... I've started um, reading a book, but I think I'm going to... I think I'll discuss it on the next one because I'm only four chapters in, but there is a little bit about the book's kind of like, well, it's called, it's not a question mark, so you have to say it in a certain way. Um, why Oh, why can't we all just get along? Okay. Um, and it's about like how social and everybody having a shorter attention span has took away like any kind of actual debate. It's just like mudslinging and how to you know, how to not, you know, how to just bring a bit of nuance back into debate. So it's quite, so I'll probably discuss that next time. Um, Interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's from one of my favourite political commentators. So 
Um, yeah. Okay. Let's go move on to some digital techie news, all courtesy of you today. Okay, so hang on, I've just jumped the gun. What are you doing? Just sorting a bit of tech out. Oh, um, fire away. What first item do you want now? No, the... it's not actually new news, but it's new you new news in the terms of this podcast because it's happened since we last. Uh, it's a piece of news that was published on the BBC website, and I'm sure it was on the news on the day that it happened. Um, but it was about the spike in um. IT jobs mm-hmm. as lockdown eases. I always laugh because people always call digital IT, don't they? Yeah. Really what they were actually talking about was um, basically jobs for web developers and web designers have um, increased um, in July by over 15%. Um, the, the amount of businesses needing web designers and web developers and I thought oh so that's always good for us isn't it yeah well um, when I read when I read it I thought IT they were looking more for like IT specialists no it says demand for web designers and developers skyrocketed 15 and a half percent in July compared to just June um and Tech UK's deputy chief executive Anthony Walker said that They've seen two years of digital transformation happening in the space of just two weeks in July. And they said that a lot of business leaders they've been talking to and the survey data that they collect shows that digital will be more important to businesses as a result of the pandemic. Um, British firms, both large and small, are now realising that digital skills are crucial to all parts of the business, including setting up e-commerce websites, improving international marketing efforts and optimising product production processes. Um, well, we know though as well, like, and it's saying how it'll be hard to fill the roles because a proper developer who codes from scratch, mm-hmm. you know, they're quite hard. Which is it, Gary? Which well, is well, Gary, exactly. Like, they're quite hard to come by, aren't they? Like, they're hard to come by, and especially really good ones. And, you know, with, with the amount of experience, what are you laughing at now? They both, both of us kept saying come by three times. It sounds like, no, it sounds like we're urging tea. Are. No, not at all. No. No, it come sounds by, like we're urging tea. Oh, you sound like, a, you know when you go come by, come by, isn't that what... Uh, um? Here we go. You know the sheepdogs. Come back. That's literally what I've just said. I've beat you to it. But I literally said it. Did you see it? I couldn't hear you. I was too busy listening to myself. (laughs) I said it was, it said we sound like a herding sheep. All right. Anyway. Herding cats. Herding cats. They're hard to come by. Come by? (laughs) (laughs) What were we talking about, even? Yeah. How the hard don't make me say come by again. How developers are hard to come by. There's quite a lot of people who can, you know, make WordPress websites, can, you know, use templates to do things, which is yeah. fine if that's if that's your but actual coding. Mm-hmm. Like you don't hear many people do you hear many people doing it at university or does it is it a popular course or 
Well, obviously, Gary's background is in software development, so we can do that as well, can't we? Which we're deep in the in the middle of a project at the minute um, on a, a, a software project for a, a booking portal, aren't we? Um, so mostly you see WordPress. That's mostly every everything I see is WordPress. So we really stand out in the fact that we are bespoke, which means that and obviously you can get bespoke WordPress as well, but they're they're few and far between as well. There's very few enterprise level WordPress people, agencies that I see about. Uh-huh. Um, and they can do what we do, but obviously they do it using the WordPress platform. Uh, but it means that you can literally have anything you want. You know, Gary always used to make me laugh years and years ago when I first got to know him and he used to say, if you can think it, I can do it for you. He just has to, you know, figure out the logic, how it all works, and then he codes it. Wow. And that's really what makes us very different, makes us stand out, having somebody like that on the team that can do that for our clients. Yeah. So, you look so like then, I looked like I was sending you to sleep there, Declan. No, you weren't. I was just I was what we don't realise is that we can see each other when we're although we're not in the same location, we can actually see each other. So when oh, I yeah. if I'm sending you to sleep, I mean that I can. No, it's because I'm just reading a little bit more of that article, and it's about how um, in April the Department for Education launched the online platform, this the Skills Toolkit, offering people access to free, high quality digital and numeracy courses to help build up the skills, progress in work, and boost their job prospects. So the thing that, that that's the thing, there might be a need for it, but it's whether it's all going to be in the labour market. And there's the the other thing I've said is that business owners have got to start stepping up. You know, I reckon, well, you know, I I reckon I must speak to at least half a dozen business owners who've had a bad experience, a week, a week, um, who've had a bad experience with a web designer. You know, so the potential of us coming in and mopping up and rectifying things. Um, But it's because they haven't educated themselves enough on exactly what it was they wanted. So when they end up with a product that isn't really what they wanted, it's because some of the time they didn't communicate it properly. I'm not going to jump down the throat of a you know a web designer and say, oh well, it was their fault that they didn't deliver. Sometimes it's the communication. But well, how often do we get? How often do we get? Oh yeah, well I I don't want to spend that much this time because I spent mm-hmm. a lot and we don't get anything from it, and it's like mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and I don't want to blame agency side and I don't want to blame client, but it is a lot to do with them managing expectations and what are they going to get? If you've only charged them, I don't know, 500, it's what are they actually going to get? Exactly, and and we, we know, don't we, from experience that as soon as we onboard a client, the things that we then start going through, I mean, the first process is obviously the discovery, which means that we embed ourselves as much as we possibly can into the client's business so we can understand what their goals are and what it is they want to try and achieve online. Um, Somebody who's going to knock you out a quick WordPress template isn't going to do that. And that's fair enough, but you can't actually then get that template, get that website and then go, oh, so what do I do now? Because it doesn't do this and I wanted it to do that. And I, I wanted a form to do this and I wanted to generate that. You can't expect that if you, if you didn't have those deep, meaningful conversations with a partner. Yeah. You can't expect that, can you? So you literally do get what you pay for. And obviously it's horses for courses and there's everybody out there, every type of website out there. 
But unfortunately, as I say, I speak to quite a lot of people each week that have had those bad experiences, and I think it's communication, a lot of it. Um, but, yeah, our our process from, from discovery to go live, as you know, is a 10-step process. It's very involved, you know, because we want that website to be successful at the end of the day. We want the business to be successful. We want sales to be generated, leads to be generated. It's no good having a website that's just going to float around the web looking pretty. Mm. There you go. I know. I know. But no, it's, it'll be interesting to watch in the next few years because, you know, companies that offer web uh, web development and need somebody to do it, their salaries might be quite you know, because the de- the demand is high, but the the people in the labour market is low, it means that it's probably going to cost businesses quite a lot. To well, you were told as well that um, schools and universities are really going to jump on this need because that's been sadly lacking for many years, hasn't it? The digital skills gap has been talked about lots and lots. As well as on this podcast. As well as on this podcast, yeah. So let's hope somebody sorts this. Yeah. Yeah. Felt really sorry for people talking about schools in A levels and stuff. I don't, I don't want to get into it much, but God, it what a shit show that was. Mm. It's like it's an awful year all around for lots of things, isn't oh, it? I know. I just think why couldn't they just? You know, I, I I read that it was. They reckon if the teachers, if they all got the teachers predicted gritty, I was laughing. Me and Emily, my flatmate, for people who don't know that name and um, we were laughing i said if i'd have got my predicted grades i'd have been in imperial college <laughs> like i'd have been in one of the because i remember we used to like um schmooze our teachers used to be like oh please just predict me an a because it'll get me an, an offer and then because the, you know if you get predicted it and then you get your offer you mm. want to really work towards you know if i get an offer from somewhere then you work even harder because you want to get in. So there is like a a point to it. But mm. I, I swear I was predicted like three years, and I'd have got into literally any. I could have got into Cambridge probably. So it's like, but uh, they said that it only it only would inflate grades by about twelve percent. And I thought after everything this year, why don't they just let them get the teachers' grades? Um, and then. You know, everyone will know that this year is just not normal at all. Well, everyone but, will know, won't they, when they look at a CV or anything, that that was the pandemic year. It's not well, yeah. that it's been tra- trying to be hidden. So why not give the kids that? Why not give them something to take away from this? Because it's just been such a rotten year all round. And then, and then to have gone through that, I mean, I just feel, you know, leaving school and leaving university, leaving sixth form, all those things are such milestones in your life and all those kids that haven't been able to leave properly and have the proms and... Oh, it's awful. It, it is, and I think, well, that's the least they could have done. I mean, who's it harming? Who's it harming at the end of the day? Well, they've, done, they've done a U-turn now, but it's whether, because it came after they'd got the result... Too large. Like, some universities have offered... So they've said, oh, they might have to defer if they want to get that place. Um, and then there's some people... But then there's arguments that they should have sat their exams because exams are the perfect um example of social distancing so should mm. they have should they have all just gone and sat them if they were really that bothered yeah but it's um, how much how much of the work that they'd missed in the run-up to the exams isn't it 
well, but they were all meant to be doing online things, weren't they? So yeah, it's a, no, it's, um, it's 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 not it's not easy. It's not none easy. of it's ideal, is it? I really didn't feel for it. Feel for them all. Yeah. Right, so this topic is a bit personal. It's come from Michelle Obama, but it's I not think it's from Sharon Williams. No, but the the article has. I'm joking. Um, because when you get obviously Michelle Obama's launched her podcast, um, and it just shows how much Spotify is plowing money into podcasts because they are a big thing and they're be continuing to get even bigger. Um, and every interview that she puts out that seems to be like headlines that go all across the web and this one I don't actually think she spoke this I think she spoke about it in an interview um she did about the menopause and it's it's interesting yeah. to watch cuz from my perspective so I'll give it what I always used to think when I was younger mm-hmm. you always got your hot flushes the menopause was a thing that women went through everyone kind of joked about it I mean, you do it now, like, if some of your friends who are even, like, my age, they get, like, a hot flush, and like, eee, are you menopausal? But then, <laughs> no, well, you do, don't you? Are you, are you, are you like, menopause? I saw an article, oh, it was on this morning today, 15-year-old, menopause. Oh, really? Yeah, like, so you can get it, and then, like, obviously that's rare, but she'd been dying, she was going, a body had put her through the menopause, which is awful, because... Oh. She won't be able to have children, but um Oh that is. But yeah. But to watch it with you and I know you're gonna get into it a little bit more here, but I've never known like I would never have guessed that the menopause and just a hormonal change in your body could do that to somebody. Yeah, but just quickly to jump on there about hormones, if you think about what teenage life was like for you, all mm-hmm. the things that you're going through you know, heavily hormone-laden body then. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about all the things that happen in it to you then, this is this is like the other end of that scale. But I don't remember thinking, oh, I'm hormonal. I don't ever remember that. No, I don't suppose you do. That's not a thing you think when you're that age. And and to be honest, you can be quite heavily into the menopause and not, and before you suddenly click that it could be hormonal often. Mm-hmm. Um but I just, you know, obviously you guys, our family have grown up, as I said earlier, touched on earlier, you know, an open-minded household, can we say? Um, mm-hmm. You know, every conversation is on the table if it wants to be discussed. it's Nothing's a problem, is it? We, yeah. we talk about all sorts of things when we start having dinner around the table, don't we? Um, and the menopause has been one of those things that I've wanted to highlight to you guys that, you know, it's not something that needs to be swept under the carpet you could clearly see me suffering at certain times uh-huh. you still lived at home and now you work with me you've got the best of it <laughs> uh-huh. um but i just think it's amazing that you know it's it's is it the last taboo i think it's one of those taboos isn't it that that people now feel as if they're able to talk about and one of the things that i always raise is that you know Probably a generation or two ago, women of my age weren't in the workplace. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't this, 
it wasn't obviously women were still suffering going through it on a personal level but from a workplace issue it wasn't an issue because people women generally weren't in the workplace in in the vast numbers that they are now um you know i used to say if if i was having a hot flush and all i had to think about was um what cake i was going to bake like like my grandma would have been thinking at this age you know then probably it's much more manageable to sit on the sofa for a couple of hours and and get yourself through it. I don't know. And I'm not trying to be flippant there, but I'm just saying we're heavily in the marketplace, up against men in the the job marketplace, up against men every single day, trying to fulfil, you know, senior level roles a lot. Um, And it's hard. It's hard. So we need to talk about it. We need to express it. One of the reasons that I'm here in a business with you is because – um, one of the things that I wasn't enjoying was, you know, how I was at work. And it's not to say that I didn't have an employer that wasn't helpful, but it just, it hadn't even, even as, as just a short time ago as two years ago, it wasn't something that was brought up from a HR perspective. You know, if you were if you were having a flush, it was just oh, go and sit near the window. But if if that person who sits near the window normally is a is a cold person, then you can't sit near the window. And it, it all just became this big massive joke. And really, that was as far as you ever got. You just had to suffer in silence. Whereas but to now, be honest with you, to me, the hot flushes aren't even that bad compared to some of the other symptoms. Well, the hot flushes were obviously, I mean, I I didn't even realise until I started to go through all of this myself and started to research it and talk to other women and write on my blog, Best Before End It, Get Bannon, although I haven't blogged for a while. Um, but was that, you know, there's, I didn't even know what perimenopause meant and that's sort of like the preface. So some of those things come there, you know, hit and miss with your periods, the hot flushes start, Um but you can always remember, couldn't you, when we used to sit having a meal of an evening and I'd have to go and open the French doors and go and stand outside for a few minutes. And that, that went on for ages, didn't it? Well, that's what I mean. I was like, felt like that went on. Forever. That's, like, that's all I can remember. <laughs> that's all I can remember you being like. I don't really remember you before that. And I and I often used to say, and I'm not dissing those symptoms but I often say in hindsight now if that's all I'd have had I do feel as if I could have managed it to some extent but then the later phase came for me was the memory loss and the the lack of being able to string a sentence together um and and then obviously that culminated didn't it a couple of Christmases ago in me having a bit of a meltdown and then my GP sent me for a brain scan didn't she because even she was worried which came back all clear and, you know, I've been on HRT and like even just hearing that women were too ashamed to go on HRT would would, would battle it because, oh, I don't want to, I'm trying not to go on HRT. Oh, I don't want to. Because there's so much misinformation around that as well, scaring women about it, it causing breast cancer and, you know, you've obviously got to be mindful of, 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 any sort of drugs that you're taking for any anything long term. But you've got to weigh up the pros and cons of everything. You know, I don't feel like I could have survived in the workplace if I hadn't gone on hormone replacement. Um, I just know I couldn't. And then I definitely couldn't have started a business with you 
and you know grown it to the level we've got to so far and worked the hours I, I just couldn't have done it I, I, I just would have been done for uh. um, and it's sad to see you know people being frightened to talk about it but thankfully somebody like the ex-first lady, I still call her the first lady because I think she's amazing. Oh, she is still, in America they do still call them. You know, and she said that her husband obviously realised that there was women in the White House going through something um, and he was mindful of that. But, you know, a couple of years on from that, you now have menopause coaches and things, don't you, going into organisations and explaining to them how they can manage, you know, menopause symptoms for women that are going through it what you can I have do a feeling I have a feeling that the current White House won't be quite as nice a place to work in <laughs> yeah can you imagine I bet yeah. it's hot under that wig though don't you <laughs> you must be hot under there well, yeah he probably has a hot flush or two with that on mm. Mm. But um, it's another phase in your life and it's like it's like periods. You know, some women can have the periods and not even know they've got them. Other women have them and it's, you know, just a horrendous time for them each month. And it's like most things in life. But I just think we, I think the fact that we can talk more openly about all of these things that, you know, every woman is going to go through in some way or another, whether it's mildly or, you know, at a deeper level makes them suffer in a in a bad way and you know you've heard stories of where women have literally had to give up work because they couldn't cope and that's so sad isn't it well I think it can make people's anxiety bad and oh my anxiety was off the scale and I I'm actually not ashamed to say that at 57 now I do feel as if I'm coming through the other side of it do you do you feel looking at you yeah oh yeah you feel as if I've I've been a lot more balanced. My I mean, I don't live at home anymore, so I wouldn't say I get the. Yeah, but you work with me, so. But my symptoms are a lot more even keel, should I say? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then I've heard that you, it never ends. The menopause actually never ends. Really? You'll always, you'll always be left with something, but something, something. But, uh, yeah. It's, it's, do you think us talking about things like this is only, do you think, you know, like how mental health is so openly talked about these days and menopause now and different things, do you think a lot of that has stemmed from media, the changes in media over the last 10, 15 years? I don't really know where it started. I mean, I'm just thinking of you... I've always been open, you know that. I, I I wear my heart on my sleeve and I talk about lots of things. And I'm I'm just amazed at, at your dad, for example. Like your dad working in a very sort of male-orientated um, work environment, after seeing what I was going through, would go to work and say things like, oh, poor Sharon, I really feel for her. This is what's happened to her, da 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 And then he would open up those conversations and then the guys at work would say to him, oh, do you know what? My wife's been like that. She's suffering. And, uh-huh. and all that happened to my wife. Oh, I think I think my that's happening to my partner. I might say, can I tell her that's what's been happening to Sharon? Is that all right? And do you know what I mean? And it's like just opening up those channels, isn't it? And not being afraid to talk. Yeah, I know, but that I'm set like, I was reading in that book I was talking about, which I've got now here, why can't we all just get along? Mm. It was like he was on about when blogging started. 
and how everyone now because of the internet can share their opinion and share, you know there are good sides to these kind of things where everyone who was voiceless before yeah has got a just, voice has got a voice now whether it's you know a, well it is a good thing well, um, it's one of the reasons why I started my blog. You know, after all the years of writing content for other people, I kept saying I will start a blog, I will start a blog of my own. And then, you know, when I started it in 2017, one of the reasons that finally urged me to do it was because of my menopause journey and to be able to share and speak, to find out, to you know, to get more help for myself from other women, find out what they were going through and know that because you thought your brain was imploding on you and that you couldn't remember things and I'd go in meetings and, you know, where I'd always been able to reel off stats and figures and whatever, I couldn't do that. And I used to get close to crying because I felt so inadequate um, that you speak to other women and they've experienced it as well so you don't feel alone and that you can also share your own journey for, for the next woman and, you know, I've, you know, for a fact, I've had younger women contact me through the blog and through social and say that they really, you know, it's helped them to tell their mom. It's helped them for the future to know that this is coming, but it, it, it won't be crazy. They won't be alone. There's so, so many benefits from talking. Mm. I agree. It's I good agree. to talk. It's good to talk. So the final bit of gossip today, gossip, gossip. <laughs> um, it is we are going to talk about some more high street news. So really, we've been following some high street news and what digital's impact is, and we have also been saying how COVID has really, obviously, just accelerated everything that was already kind of happening. So, what news did you see this week? Well, it was pretty sad to hear again about poor old M&S, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. You know, any M&S store that I've been in, not that I've been in many over lockdown, but they're just so quiet. They're just so quiet. And obviously they've announced, haven't they, is it 7,000 or 7,500 job losses come in mm-hmm. um, across the physical stores? And it's really sad, but I brought up an article um on internet retail and that had been published back in November 2017 where Marks and Spencers had already set their sights then on moving a, a third, a third of their clothing and homes, I can't even say that word, a third of their clothing and home sales online um, with a, a digital first strategy back in back in 2017. I think they've been a bit slow in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting to listen to um, a retail expert on BBC News the other morning saying that this time last year, 30% of M&S's business was online. And as of now, it's 60%, which is obviously what you would expect because of lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and But that, you know, this has been a catalyst of things that were coming and that the stores are just so, so quiet footfall I don't know what the percentage of how much the footfall is down by but when you think about it generally the footfall in M&S stores isn't that the demographic I would say so yeah and and isn't that the demographic that's probably not not as as, um keen to be out and about yeah yeah 
And, um, you know, the places that they inhabit on the high street MS are big spaces usually, aren't they? Because they've, they've, they've lived there for a long time. You know, well, they've, they've got a food hall, they've got a cafe, they've got all sorts. Yeah, that. they've usually been the cornerstone, the centre of the high street, wherever they are, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Or the cornerstone of a of a of a retail uh, shopping out, you know, a mall, a mall. Mall. Uh, so it is very very sad. But I was talking to the girl who does my brows the other evening when I went to get my brows done. Whoa, <laughs> what a good feeling that was. The small um, things there. Little things, yeah. And um, she was saying how sad it is. And I said, it is, but it's only coming because we want it to. Mm. You know, all of this change is, we are, we are, you know, we're at the front of it. This is what we want now. We want, we want choice. We want speed. We want necessity. We've got busy lives. You know, we want things the minute we see them delivered, delivered to the door, delivered to our workplace, whatever. Um, oh yeah, it's all consumer driven. And I and I think well, you know, all, but... it's, when you, it's when you spoke about before. You often say about you know the crappy red tops that you hate, um, and so oh. well, people they only exist because people buy them and buy into all of the gossip, mm-hmm. don't they? And and this is this is a similar scenario. This all exists because we are driving it. It is consumer driven. It couldn't exist if we didn't want it. I mean, yeah, there are you know there are things about how people could be better with business rates and different things. But I just think I always think when they say things like that, it's just fighting. Well, it's fighting, a, lo- fighting a lost cause already, though. It's the death knell, isn't it, with property owners? You know digging the heels in and not reducing the property rates um and you just think well well you're just not going to have anybody in these premises it's like would they rather have it empty exactly i I can't figure i can't figure that out sometimes you'd be better with half the money than none surely um and you know these legacy buildings that the likes of M&S and Debenhams and House of Fraser and all those businesses that are in and they've existed there as stalwarts of the of our towns and cities for so long haven't they but, but even uh, the newer spots like when we saw the news that that massive I mean I've only been to Birmingham once but even I remember the John Lewis that's in the center it's absolutely huge and the fact that they're not reopening I mean it's a similar thing near me in Leeds that big new John Lewis you know, near me, near the bus mm, station. A lovely one, I, yeah. I imagine if that just closed, like, what the hell's going to grow in that? No, like, no. Just... But you know what's interesting, and I haven't haven't actually, I don't think I've missed it, Um, but what's interesting to me, the likes of Selfridges and Liberty and Harrods, they're all okay, are they? Yeah, but don't they get the tourists, though? They do get the tourists, yeah. They're a destination, aren't they? Which well, is that's the... the thing with them. That's that's the point where we've made before. You're mm-hmm. excited to shop in Harrods. You are. Well, I love Liberty and Harvey Nichols. Exactly. For me. Well, maybe that's hard to do with. I'm um, like Harrods. It's all about the the bouginess and the bougie, and, bougie, and like you know opulence and well, how I expensive know, I it all is. I mean, I know, but what I'm saying is maybe it's hard for I don't know the likes of TK Matt. You're not going to be excited about shopping in T. 
or it might be harder to get excited. Well, I do about... get excited about TK Maxx. No, you... but like, I just mean like the I just mean like the customer experience when you go in. You're not going to be as buzzing to be like, oh my no, god. We've had it again. It's like you know we we've done it. Do you remember the other year when we were doing some Christmas shopping together? Mm. And we we went to buy a watch for Grandma, and the sales assistant just couldn't CBA with me. Do you remember? Mm. Yeah. And you just like, <laughs> and you know when you get all up at you. In your head, and what you really want to say is, "I'm paying your wages." Do you know what I mean? When you want to do that, you just think, "Well, if that's the experience that you're giving to everybody, it's no wonder that everybody wants to shop online, is it? Why why wouldn't I shop online when I don't have to take that sort of grief with somebody who can't be asked to serve me? Uh, How much of that goes on? How much?" How much is the British customer service letting us down as a country? Because people have talked about that a lot, haven't they? People just rolling their eyes because, oh, they don't want to serve you. And is that because we don't pay these people enough? They're not seen as, you know, a career. They're just seen as a stopgap working in a shop. So many things to consider, to think about, isn't it? But why, why would you want that sort of experience when you could shop online and nobody's going to give you grief? It's just coming mm-hmm. in the door. Whereas on the other hand, the experience of going into a bougie shop for an experience where somebody asks you, would you like a nice coffee? Would you like a glass of fizz? Um, oh, just would you like to see this? This is just new in. Somebody who really cares that you're there and that you're going to invest in them and spend money with them. I know. Mm. I know. It's a vicious cycle, though, because we all work hard for our money. So it's like... And when we're spending said money, we want to feel like, you know, they're not just being taken the mickey out of. And I think that goes back a long way, apparently, to when service was a thing. And, you know, you can think about, you know, when, whenever we've been to the States and we always laugh because it, it's like the other way there, isn't it? Have a nice oh, Well, day. I had this at a restaurant the other night. I didn't know what was wrong with that. I've never known. She was like asking what we've been up to, blah, and it, I was like, "Are we in Disneyland or something?" I've never known anything like it. Are we Honestly, in the queue for Disneyland? But I hate that as a British person. I was like, I was going, I was saying, if she's if she's looking for a tip, she's going the wrong way about it because she's actually putting me off her. Oh, we're just so like, British, aren't we? I know. She was like, "Oh, there's a lot of lot of deep lakes in the lakes, isn't there?" A Laura, like, well, a Laura deep. We were like, lakes. "Well, yeah, it's um, it's the lake district." She was just trying and trying and trying. Oh, to constantly bless. make conversation, and I was like mm. rolling my eyes. <laughs> I'm well, such you a... doing that, were you? You I'm doing the rules? No, just to tell. But you know, it's yeah. like you know when we've when we've been in the states on holiday and, and the service that you get there. Not that that's helping their retail industry either, is it? But because it's everywhere, it's a global thing, isn't it? But um, but yeah, have a nice day. What can I get for you? And like. And then as and a Nero was, Nero was like, what on earth? We can't win, can we? But Do you want me to give you a personal growth term? Hmm? You used the word uppity there. You can't do that anymore. Did I say uppity? Mm, a to bit. Why can't you say uppity? It's got racial connotations, which I didn't know till that long ago either. I was listening to a podcast and they were saying that um, – you used to you used to call, in America they used to call black people uppity if they didn't know their place. So you know, like yeah. I, I suppose it's not really the same thing, but you know when they always when they describe women as um, shrill, mm. 
like she's a shrill, like she needs to know her place. She's such a shrill. I think it's that kind of similar, um, you know, they're uppity, and unfortunately, uppity used to then be followed by it, an awful word. Um, oh. So... There's yeah. so many words in 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 our day to day language that have come from. Well, yeah, of course, because that those times in history were. You could say, like, when the slave trade happened, white people had it good. Well, they did, didn't they? You just and wonder, don't you, how long it's going to take for those changes? Because that that I mean, in 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 planet years it's nothing is it but in human race years it's a long time 200 mm. years is it but and that's that's only what's known as the american slave trade isn't it mm. but how long all this had gone on before as well and you just think how long will that take to change then when it's so ingrained yeah how long i know well, is that everything? Yeah, we've had a good natter again there, haven't we? We have, haven't we? That's, Can't wait um, to see your little face in real life on Sunday. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm excited to come home. I was, I rang you earlier, didn't I say? No, I haven't been home since, was it mid, late, May? May, middle May, May. June, July, or nearly July. three months. Okay, so thank you for listening to this episode of It's In The Jeans podcast. You can follow us both on Twitter. I am at Declan E. Williams and you are... At Before Ended. Oh, you did it right this time. I did. Do you remember last time? I haven't changed it for a while. It's just no, no, dead. but you just went Before End. Did. No, you didn't even... Do you not remember? No, I do remember saying something, oh. but I can't remember what it was. And am I going to... Shout, we haven't had any reviews. Oh, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm going to do it. You can Wait, also follow our reviews because we're great. Like, yeah. I'm just mad. Why can I never get the last bit out? Because we start, start about reviews. Um, you can also follow our business at The Digital Gene. Please like, share, and write a review for this podcast using the hashtag mm. It's In The Genes Pod when you're out online. Right. Bye. Bye. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.